And now, we'll fight open mic. The Bass Jackers. I just came home actually from tour. Hey guys, this is Phoenix Paul. Hey, what's up? This is Sean Frank. We'll fight DJs and your favorite artists. Sophie Francis. Sophie, thanks for joining us today. Hi, it's super nice to join you guys. What's up, guys? This is Ahmed Van Buren. Now, open mic. Hello and welcome to another edition of Open Mic. BJ Atarian along with Brandon Boucher here and we have spinning recording artists and this is a big one. Sam Felt is joining us. Sam, how you doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm good actually. I'm uh, back home for two, three days uh, before I hit the road again. Uh, I'm off to Mysteryland, uh, Zurich in Switzerland and Romania this weekend. So I, I saw that. Are you excited about the tour? Yeah, well, I'm I'm basically touring the the whole summer, so I'm I'm, uh, I'm more excited to be back home for two days right now, <laughs> be able to do my laundry, see my girlfriend, my cats, and and spend some time in the studio as well. Uh, but yeah, like summer's been crazy. I've been pretty much touring nonstop from May to up until this point. So and it's not stopping anytime soon. And then when it stops, uh, the southern hemisphere starts celebrating summer. So I go to places like Brazil, South Africa, Australia. Uh, so it's it's year round basically. Important stuff, though. What are the cat names? One is called Simba, and one is called Mouse, which is Dutch for mouse. And you can even follow them on Instagram. Their their handle is Simba's Lair. So uh, <laughs> perfect. Check it out. We, we will definitely do that. And and, and so now you're. Let's see, Amsterdam, and then you're going to Chicago and Florida and Canada. What's one of the most enjoyable things you uh, have with touring? Well, the most enjoyable thing is the performing part. Like that's that's the reason why I travel so much. I actually don't like being in planes and uh, on airports and waiting. So that's that's the work part of it. So it all um, it's all it's all a sacrifice that you make to be able to play the show. But one thing I do really like about you know like traveling all across the world is is of course tasting uh, all the great great types of food that are available. Like Canada has very good cuisine. The U.S. So many good restaurants, especially Asia as well. Mind blown every time I go out to eat there. So uh, that's one of the one of the highlights, aside from the performing part, uh, when it comes to touring. Is there a favorite food you uh, like to get while you're out? Well, I, I I just like good food, so I can eat either you know a Michelin star restaurant, but also the next day a hot dog from a good street vendor. Like I don't really care about what type of food it is, as long as it's good. And you know that's one of the hobbies we have on tour. I have a tour manager that loves to eat, and a cameraman that's a great foodie as well. Um, so we always try and find the best restaurants or the most unique restaurants or eating experience that we can uh, can get. That's great. You see that when we go on conferences. I don't care where the conference is. The first thing I'm looking up is, all right, what food do they have and where can we go? Yes. Eat? Yes. And I, and I also really like uh, the fact that more and more festivals right now, nowadays are, uh, are paying attention to quality food. Like Tomorrowland, for example, they invited two Michelin star restaurants to do a pop-up in the, in the artist area. These are little things that I can really appreciate while I'm, uh, when I'm touring nonstop, having a good meal at a festival, stuff like that. So you're talking about the festival. What is it like when you're playing a festival and you play a huge song and it's one of yours? Like, what's going through your mind? What type of rush is that? Wow. Yeah, I think it's hard to describe, especially when it's a newer track or maybe even an unreleased track that the crowd already knows or it's leaked somewhere and then people start singing along to it. I think that is that is the most magical feeling and that is what you do it all for. When you're in the studio producing the music, That's what that's the reaction you hope to get. And the ultimate rush, basically. Um, so yeah, for example, when I played a new track on the Tomorrowland main stage, and I could hear people singing along to it already, um, that was that was very special. Yeah, it's one of the one of the best feelings in the world. 
That what, must have been amazing. Yeah, what what has been your favorite venue to play? Um, I would say out of all the venues I've done, uh, Coachella. Uh, I've done it two years, and uh, yeah, it's just really epic to be able to play in between all these legendary acts, not only dance, but also guys like ACDC, you know, like, I don't know, even Beyonce yeah, is on the lineup. And then seeing your name in, in between those artists, that is that is very unique, especially when you think about the fact that they only book a handful of electronic artists uh, every year. Um, so that that's what makes it really special for me. And also the, the just general vibe there is amazing. I went last year just for fun. had a great time. Now, I haven't seen you in... in uh performing person yet but i hear that you bring out a lot you, you play a lot of your own instruments there on stage yeah so so there's two sets so there's my dj set which is very uh flexible you know i, I just go with the flow don't pre-plan anything um so that's me djing um i could do it for five hours straight um that's what i love i've do i've done it since i was 11 years old and then there's the sam Feld live band that i bring along to the, the bigger shows the festivals usually uh which includes me but also live pianos, live drums, live saxophone, and live trumpet. So that really gives uh, the crowd a whole different experience, which is more like a yeah, really like a live band show. Do you prefer one over the other? Not really. You know, I like the balance. Like I love DJing for three, four hours in a, in a, in a sweaty, small, intimate club for 300, 400 people uh, and really having that one-on-one -on -one connection with the crowd. But I also love giving the show, and you know, like the the, the instruments on stage and the live the live music really takes the show and the energy to the next level. Um, something you couldn't do with just the DJ set. So I love both. So you mentioned you got started when you were eleven. Like, what got you interested? What got you started uh, DJing and producing music? Wow, that's a very good question. Um, I know I got into it again when I was 17 and I first entered a club and I, I saw a DJ there and I was like, wow, I want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy here on the dance floor. I want to be in control of the crowd. But first, when I was 11, I think it must have been like a, like a dude at, like a, uh, at school that had a DJ set that made me fall in love with it. Um, I know there were a couple of, 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 of kids at my school back then that were like the school DJs and I was always jealous of them. Um, so I started saving up money for my birthday, and I bought a smoke machine and amplifiers and speakers. And basically, when I was about 12, I had a, a whole a whole club inside my, my bedroom. <laughs> and I started, um, yeah, doing shows. They were not really shows. My dad was used, used to drive me around, put all the gear in, in his car, drive me to, like, this dude's birthday party. And I would play uh, well, not really play, just play one song after. I didn't. I couldn't even mix back then, but I, I just loved entertaining. I loved uh, being uh, that guy that got the party started. Um, but then I quit for a while, and then I started again when I was seventeen. When I when I saw when I saw the a real club DJ. So you just posted a great picture of your family on your Twitter and Instagram at Sandfelt Music. What kind of uh, support have you gotten from them? Well, they've been very supportive from the start. Uh, a lot of people have been commenting, "You look like your dad," but that's not my dad; it's my uncle. Uh, <laughs> but still, like I, I, my my parents are two hippies. You know, my uh, my dad still plays in the band, plays guitar, writes music. Um, so I've been I've been brought up very musically. And then my my mom, she's also a hippie, and she's more like a consumer, and she just she has this, uh, she has uh, her own. VW hippie fan and drives all the festivals and is still, you know, in the middle of the dance floor, partying her uh, ass off <laughs> even more than me. So that's, I think that's the music and, and festivals have always been in my heart. And also when I started 
becoming slightly popular, they've been very supportive from the start. So that must make for some real interesting dinner conversation. How was your show? How was your show? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Like he, like uh, obviously, like he plays a different style than me. Like my dad, like he, he's more into folk and like almost poetic kind of music. You know, very lyrical. Lyrical. And well, I do pop music. I do dance music. I do EDM. But yeah, we uh, we share a lot of the same interests, and uh, it always makes for a good good dinner table conversation. Yeah. So, but besides EDM, what kind of music do you listen to? So much. Like I, like I said, I've been brought up. You know, listening to folk music anything from you know like even john mayer to paul mccartney rock music um some 80s as well so if you if you check out my playlist heartfelt on spotify you'll you'll ex- exactly get the my, my likes so every week someone from my team drags and drops my favorites from that week that i've actually playlisted myself in my favorites playlist to that playlist so it can be very diverse so it will be Anything from Bon Iver to Don Diablo and anything in between. So I want to talk about the Heartfelt Foundation, but before we, we uh, seg in for, uh, off of the touring, I'm curious, what was one of the craziest things, craziest stories that's happened on one of your tour stops? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it depends how you classify crazy. Like I, I get, like in Asia, for example, I get, like crazy fans that you don't get in the U.S. that wait for you at the airport or wait for hours and hours with gifts in the hotel lobby, hoping to spot you and really stalker kind of behavior, which is, it's not meant in a, in a bad way, but it's for us, like for Europeans and Americans, it might be a bit weird. Um, so like on the fan side, definitely Asia has the craziest fans and craziest fan stories, you know, like people making custom gifts, you know, drawings, paintings, uh, the craziest things, like someone even bought me designer clothes sometime nice. one time. That was, and I was like, I, I can't accept this. But she's like, yeah, yeah, it was my gift to you. I didn't even fit this. So like, yeah, it was it was very weird. And then you know, on the partying side, I think the US um, gets the crown. Like you guys go crazy at every set. I've never seen a crowd uh, party so hard as a US crowd. Really? really from the, yeah, like really from the first song that you play until the very last song. People go all out while, especially playing in Amsterdam and in the Netherlands, we need at least like four or five beers and an hour or two to get into the mood and slowly start dancing while the American crowd just goes all out from the very start. So there's definitely a lot of differences in, 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 in the stories that I have coming from all around the world. Nice. Uh, give it up for the U.S. on, on the partying. I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, it's that. true. It so is actually true. Yeah. You had talked about your Heartfelt playlist on Spotify. I know there's also the, the Heartfelt.me and the Heartfelt Foundation. Talk a little yeah. bit about those. Yeah, so so the Heartfelt Foundation is a nonprofit charity that I founded about a year ago, a bit less. Um, and it came from the fact that I'm as a touring DJ, obviously, you do a lot of flights. I see a lot of off the planet. I see how beautiful the planet is. And also, I see what we as the humankind are doing to it. How we're destroying it, and also saw that I was a big part of the problem. You know, like doing all these flights and, and big productions and stuff. So I started asking myself, what can I do to make sure that I'm not as big of a polluter anymore? What can I do? What what changes can I make in my life? And hopefully, I I might be able to uh, inspire other artists and influencers to do the same. And also, how can I inspire my fans to you know like take better care of the planet? And um, it might sound weird coming from a guy that does 200 flights a year, but uh, you could also say that if I can do it, everybody can do it. 
So I started uh, making change in my own life. You know, like I, I'm flying carbon neutral right now. I'm investing in product projects in Uganda. Um, there's no plastics on my rider anymore. You know, I, I, I traded in my polluting car. Um, and I, I showcase that all on my Instagram and my social media, hopefully to inspire my fans and other artists to take similar action. Um, so that's it. Basically, the Heartfelt Foundation, for example, this year's Amsterdam Dance Event, we're hosting a party that's completely nonprofit. Um, everything that's uh, that's being made goes directly to charity. So it's kind of like my charitable, um, sustainable uh, uh, platform that I've that I've launched, and it's it's not where it should be right now, but we're we're getting there. I've spoken about it during Amsterdam Dance Event, Miami Music Week, Ibiza Music Summit, like all these all these uh, influential places, and hopefully uh, more and more artists and fans will start to take notice. And then the fangage.me site is basically my fan platform. Um, so that comes from Fangage, the internet startup that I have, which allows artists to create their own fan portals where fans can sign up, access content, and also allows uh, artists to get a direct conversation, a direct line to their fans. I think, I think like many of us, we, I, I saw that um, when I was posting to Instagram and Facebook, I had so many likes but very little reach. I wasn't reaching all the people that I wanted to reach. So that's why I started Heartfelt.me and Fangaze to be able to really reach all the fans I want to reach and make sure that they're updated about our tour dates, new music, uh, and don't get and the messages don't get lost in the algorithm. And uh, and I saw you were doing the cleanup on the beach and you had uh, in Miami and you also have your own uh, phone cover now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so so yeah. So there's there there's on one side there's the stuff that I do that I've changed in my life like my own fundraisers and stuff that I do for the foundation. But there's also the heartfelt community doing stuff and uh, and hosting, for example, beach cleanups. Um, yeah, stuff like that. So it, it's really cool to see that it's slowly but steadily becoming a global movement uh, where a lot of my fans get involved and understanding as well that they uh, should take their responsibility as well. So people want to find out more. It's H-E-A-R-T-F-E-L-D-T dot M-E. Yeah, or dot foundation, depending on what you're looking for. Okay, perfect. Tonight we go all night long. We party like post long. Don't tell me to go. Oh, oh. Yeah, we are never ever going home tonight. Ain't nobody kill my vibe. Don't tell me to go. Oh, oh. Yeah, we are never ever going home. So talking about your reach, uh, we've seen uh, Post Malone just becoming huge, most added song in the U.S. this week, and it's moved into the top 40 in the U.S. and also in the U.K. What sort of yeah. what sort of difference has that brought in, in things uh, this summer for you? Well, usually with these things, you it takes a while to really see the full effects, and it's still climbing. I don't know where it's going to go yet. We'll see. Like I have, uh, I'm very excited to see going into the top 40. Obviously, that's a big accomplishment it's something i've never done before even show me love has never entered the top 40 so we'll see how it goes and i uh, and i hope obviously for the best but to really see the results from uh from a, from a big track like that it will, will most likely take another half year to really you know like sh- see see it in like the shows you're doing see it in the engagement you're getting with social media and stuff like that and a lot of tracks like especially like tracks like these are long tail tracks nowadays just look at you know for example loud luxury body it took one year to go to his peak. So I don't know where this is going to go. And, and and so I'm curious, though, with the Post Malone song, were you just sitting around one day and saying, you know, I, I got to write a song about him? Or how did that come about? 
It's simple rhyming. So the song goes <laughs> like this: We party, we party all night long, like Post Malone. Like that's like it, it parties. It, it rhymes with all night long. Uh, and if you put, if you replace it with Fifty Cent, it just doesn't sound as <laughs> doesn't good. work. No, no. It, like I've never met the guy Post Malone. I don't even know if he parties that hard. Um, I've heard some stories though, and I think we can all, you know, like relate to partying with rappers. And I think also that's why it's a good pop culture reference. But yeah, I never intended. Um, I never intended. Well, first of all, I never intended this song to grow this big. Like it was the fifth song on an EP. It was like a bonus track. I thought, okay, this is gonna be like an extra thing I do for the fans, and then all of a sudden it blows up. I never expected this, to be honest. So I never thought about you know the possible consequences of you know like putting his name as the track title because I always thought it was just gonna be like a very small song. But now I'm sure he's he's seen it. I don't know if he likes it or not. Um, I don't know if he's ever, ever going to reach out. We'll see. It's, you, a, it's a developing story. Do you think he'll ever make a, the Post Alone song called Sam Felt? Who knows? And I don't know. Maybe uh, if he likes it, he's, he's always welcome to drop a verse and then re-release it. Oh, that would be something. <laughs> no, that, that, that would be epic. But I don't, know. I don't even know if he likes it. We'll, we'll have to see. Hopefully, uh, one, one day he'll reach out. So that's just it. One of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to reach out or he's going to have to start partying more. Yeah. So, or yeah, yeah, that, exactly that. So it might be uh, an incentive for him to really go crazy. That's right. <laughs> change, gonna have to come see the, the show. completely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Like I said, it's it's a developing story. So you had mentioned uh, "Show Me Love" and you remade that uh, from by Robin S. I love yes. your version. It's like it modernized the song. In fact, it took till the lyrics came on to I realized, you know what, this is the same song, and it really was. It was really good and that different. What was the inspiration for that? Well, I think if you remix a track or redo a track, you have to make it completely different, while obviously paying respect to the original. But like, there's so many Show Me Love remixes out there. I mean, Hartwell's done it, Laidback Luke, Steve Angelo. Like, they've all maybe even together done it. And then there's maybe a hundred more. So, and they all, they're all using that iconic bassline. They're all using the original vocals. And I was like, okay, if if, if this is what I'm gonna do, if I'm gonna do it again, it needs to be completely different. So I, I used nothing from the original song except for the lyrics, and made it into a completely new track, a completely new style. Um, and I think that is important if you ever do a cover or a remake. And I think that's exactly, I mean, once I heard the lyrics, it kind of gave me a little chills. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it, it, it was really good sounding. Yeah, a lot of people, they don't realize it's the same song or, or remake up until the chorus. Uh, and then, you know, when when that comes in, people are like, oh, wow, hey, I know this song. So that's cool. You know, and you always want to have that kind of effect. Uh, when you do a remake, not that like from the first beat, everybody thinks, "Oh, wow, another remake." No, you wanna you wanna surprise people a little bit, I think. So you mentioned on Twitter that you have a remix of Ed Sheeran that you're working on that you're seeming like you love. Do you have any any more you can tell us about that? Yeah, I'm working on a remix for his uh, his new track with uh, Cardi B and uh, Camila Cabello from the album, the second track, um, and you know. At, the thing is, like, I've been a big fan of his voice for ages. I've never remixed him before, and I've always kind of been waiting for an opportunity. 
And then when they reached out, I was like, yes, let's do this immediately. And also I had a, an immediate vision of how the song, how the remix should turn out. Uh, and then it's another story translating that while behind your PC. And I think that worked really well. So I'm just excited to release it. You can catch him on tour now, samfelt.com, heartfelt.me. Sam Felt, thanks for joining us here on Open Mic on Wolf Bites Radio. Of course. Thank you guys so much, and uh, see you later, hopefully in North Carolina. That would be great. That would be great. Thanks a lot, Sam. Adios. <laughs>